Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Ketchup on our hot dogs. Oh, Bingo, oh. welcome to the winemakers. <laughs> there you go. I oh. This is Brian Casey with Sam Katuri and Bart Hansen. Sam, this is, I was told this is your podcast today. This is my podcast today? So, uh, All right, well, let me pour some wine in. Do a little pour. There you go. I'm pouring. Uh, nice this is actually take two, everybody. Take two. Yeah. We're so awkward. We, t- we just gave all our best material. <laughs> didn't record anything. So this will be all second rate, <laughs> second rate yeah. podcast coming out. John's w- not here today. Right. <laughs> and there will be no basement tapes. There'll be no basement tapes. <laughs> right. The Sapruder tape, I think, is probably maybe more appropriate. Uh, so the pour was uh, bought to you by Source and Sink Amphora Rose 2018. Source and Sink? Source and Sink. We I've have never source, heard of that before. We have Source and Sink with us here. They're like the Which one's source? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on first? Third base. I think Brian's still buzzing from um, drinking Screaming Eagle yesterday, which no, is why drinking, he, which is why he also didn't. Napa cab from 10 o'clock in the morning until 3, and then going to work and working and getting home at 1 o'clock in the morning, and having got up at 6 in the morning, and then getting up at 6 again this morning, and then I'm, yeah. It was a good day, though. It was a good I would have liked to have seen your teeth at the end of that. Oh, man. <sighs> I've never drank yeah. that much tasting cab before. Tea. I've never been to a tasting that just had Cabernet. Right. It's what did they use to cleanse your palate? What sort of little delectables to eat? There was whole like tables of like cheese and meat, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I was too busy drinking Bond to right, eat exactly. cheese. Right. Or waiting in line to drink. Right, bond. waiting in line to, to the drink The only bond. line was for the Screaming Eagle. Really? Every place else you could walk right up. You're like, hey, what's up, Russell Bevan? What do you got right. for me today? <laughs> it's pretty so cool, actually. There was, wasn't a lot of people. So, so what was the wine that made the biggest impact on you or the biggest memory? Um, you know, I think the Bon Vecina, the 2013, it's, it's really freaking good. Um, but there was another one that I don't, I don't know a lot of the names of those people over there besides like Dalla Valle or like I know... Uh, you know Russell Babbitt. I don't know a lot of those people. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot so of those wines, the wines that I try. You never get to like are only fragments of your imagination, right? You right. see right. the score in mm. some magazine, and you never actually get to see or yeah. Touch they all a had bottle. little things on the tables of like how many hundred point awards or whatever they had received. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's <laughs> pretty right. cool. Was you know? Tony Biaggi there? I don't know. You would know. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tony, we know you're listening. Nah, probably not. Maybe. He drives around a lot. He has to drive. It's like talk radio. But hey, I'm digging this rosé that I'm drinking, Sam. (laughs) What are we drinking? (laughs) All right. Randy, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Let's do a third take. That was fun. Let's start over. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll do it completely different. All right. Perfect. And nobody will know because they've never heard the other two takes. This might be the third take. This might be the fourth take. Who knows? Um. So what am I drinking, Randy? Well, <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll introduce you. Tell okay. me what's in the glass. Terrific. So yeah. in the glass, does everybody else get some of the amphora rosé? Yes. Yeah, everyone filled up. Maybe hit Brian one more time if he's. Uh... And is it is it Cabernet rosé? Yes. Okay. So uh, you would probably never guess it, especially with this wine. This was the uh, some free the very first free run of a whole cluster pressed Cabernet Sauvignon. So it actually looks like a white wine. Uh, with a pinkish hue, mm-hmm. um, and neither does it smell uh, or have any defining characteristics of Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, so. so wait a minute. So 
you picked this um, you picked this for rosé was it like you went through and picked the light this the the stuff you would have dropped on the f- ground um, right so there's a really cool story with this it's sort of a survival of the fittest um, uh, last year and earlier this spring I worked for a small vineyard management company that was uh, managing the Hunter Ranch which is a well-known vineyard oh. in Glen Ellen, of which Sam's dad is very familiar with. Um, but the We've property is owned ripped by out a everything family. But the Cabernet. Exactly. A property is owned by a family that's been trying to get rid of it for uh, the last three years and has uh, no success so far. If anybody wants to make a $12 million offer on a piece of heart of Sonoma Valley property ready to plant, um, make the offer and then we'll come plant Grenache for you. Please. I, I, I mean, I, I guess I don't yes, understand. Please do. I guess I just don't understand why they wouldn't farm it and want to want to run with it. I mean, the the property has some historic historical. I mean, I think it was it? I think it was a case of just getting ahead of themselves. Okay. Um, right. And you know they and then they were going to build a house that the 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 parents wanted to live there, and then they sort of realized what building a house there would take. Okay. And what the replant would take, and then. Um, you know, the fire burns down the house that they were remodeling right. instead in this whole deal. So I think that they just kind of got ahead of themselves on it a little bit. And, and, not, and it's not even like um, these people that we're talking about. It's not a financial constraint. Right. Um, I think it was just a time and energy yeah. sort of it, the reality of building a house yeah, and planting not, a vineyard in Sonoma. And not biting off more than they really want to chew, right. I think. I mean, so. I've been driving by that place for oh, 34 years or something. Is it over by Wellington? No. No, it's, it's um, on... It's on Arnold Drive um, when Madrone. you're heading north just before Madrone on the okay. right-hand side. Robert okay. Hunter it was mostly sparkling, sparkling wine, wine, right? It's known yeah. as California's smallest oh, champagne house. So it was yeah. Chardonnay, so Pinot, and then it had a little bit of Cabernet it was on the... Merlot and Sauvignon Blanc, no. so it was, huh. you know... They always made a little bit of still wine, um, but they were known for their sparkling mm-hmm. wine. And then, you know, in recent years, when I think maybe this, the son, who's a winemaker in Napa... Um, I know he was farming it for a while, and they were selling the grapes to Gloria Farrar because a lot of times it was the first um, pick of the year, and the press uh, or the right. IT would always mm-hmm. put it in right. the paper. And yeah. it's sort of warmer than any Gloria Farrar site. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah way I mean, the yeah. wrong spot for Pinot and Chardonnay. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool site. I mean, it's a cool, it's a neat site because, you know, that area does get very warm, but it sits in the shadow of Sonoma Mountain. Right. So it doesn't get that afternoon just burning you know, mm-hmm. toasting the fruit. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's all these right. sort of like different levels right. of the property, mm-hmm. starting with, you know, right at the road where the cab is going down all the way to the literally creek. like the, at the creek. The right. Creek. Yeah. right. And just on the other side of the Hooker Creek is the Bedrock Vineyard. So right. um, mm-hmm. Pinot and Chard on one side, Old Vine, Field Blend on the other side. Um, and we had been managing this vineyard, uh, an organic vineyard, uh, very derelict, you know, just kind of, do as little as possible. Is there an irrigation on that? There's no irrigation. Yeah. Uh, the grand part of the uh, leftover remnants of a Phil Couture ripout um, were six acres of old vine Cabernet, so planted in mm. the 70s. And, uh, I mean, some of these uh, vines are as wide as I am. So uh, it's, it's some gnarly uh, They're survivors. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And I even Old saw your cat. dad uh, at a concert, and I told him I, was, I got fruit from Hunter Ranch. He was like, I didn't rip those out on purpose because they were so old. Because they were uh, worth it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the, I guess the downfall of 
sort of neglect an investment in and in, into the property. So, uh, and that it being in the middle of a wildlife corridor for uh, between the Mayakamas and Sonoma Mountain, there was a young herd of deer or buck that came through during bud break and ate most of the <laughs> buds. So um, what regenerated after that um, was a helter-skelter of unmanaged Cabernet. So we were... Uh, Did you guys get any good venison steaks out of that? <laughs> I wish. I mean, man, if you had gone out there with a bow, you could probably, you know, hunt without a license. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty close to the, to be honest, it's pretty close to the road. I wouldn't. Yeah. No, you know. You know yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, mean, I know what you're, it's, uh, Integrated pest management, Bart. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. you'd think with a with a, a property like that, maybe the big kitty, uh, the mountain lion, could no, yeah. take the, care the of that. No, the big kitty so. wasn't hanging out downtown, in downtown Santa, Santa Rosa. Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> Don't okay, pet the big kitty. Okay. <laughs> um, so this front page news in Sonoma. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's mountain lion and the, the hottest thing since sliced cheese. Um, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, uh, we picked. As much as we could. I had a handshake deal with the owners saying, well, I will weed eat the area for your real estate agents and make it look pretty if I can pick the fruit to make wine from. And we did. And we went out there with uh, six boxes, half ton macro bins, and filled them up as quick as we could. And I got to pick and choose where in the vineyard I thought would uh, represent a great rosé. And it went direct to press. That's kind of like yep. the one thing yep. that we really wanted to do or want to continue with all of our rosés is picking rosé with intention versus the Sanier method, which is the bleeding. So um, the rosé is um, a traditional method. The Amphor rosé, uh, I forget, we're drinking the Amphor rosé, uh, went into uh, a custom-made Amphora that uh, a friend of mine has made with California clay. A uh, very small quantity, so this was about 75 gallons that was fermented uh, in indigenous or native yeast. Um, so you did like 25 cases of it. Yeah, it was about, yeah, 19, about 19 cases. 19, 19 cases, cases of it. Very after blending trials. That's what you'll tell the TTB. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a, an experiment, uh, especially with the ro- with the amphoras and uh, you know not using sulfur and. Uh, whether or not we want to become uh, winemakers that don't use uh, yeast or sulfur is one thing, but it was uh, in the name of science. So uh, that's, yeah, yeah that's and the then So is that both rose. of the rosés are from? Right. So both of the rosés do come from the Hunter Ranch. Okay. Uh, the rosé uh, that is our production rosé uh, was a little M- bit more, more traditional. More traditional, right. a little bit more crafted. We decided to use champagne yeast. And cold fermented in stainless steel. Um, it's probably like any average 21 to 30 days in tank. Or why do you um, like the champagne yeast? Uh, I have always wanted to just use something that was a little more unpredictable. Um, I think when you get into those uh, conventionally made yeast, they're very specific. You can always just wrestle with like an inmate or something. You, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You just want to get into situations that are unpredictable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian, is there something you need to tell us? That's just what happened. Odd, what happened after you drank odd. all that Cabernet yesterday, Brian? <laughs> that's an odd answer. Like, how come you use the champagne? Well, you know, I like to get into situations that are unpredictable. Oh, right. well, really? Yeah. As a winemaker? 
Very, very well, much. I, I, but it doesn't, there's not some sort of characteristic that you like in champagne yeast. We've had this conversation well, right. before, I mean, right? Sh- champagne, you're not saying champagne yeast is, um, is a hard yeast to work with. I think you're trying to say that you wanted, a, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you wanted a yeast that wasn't going to impart um, a flavor or a, or a profile to it, that wouldn't exactly. have a lot exactly. of yeah. impact. Right. Exactly. So, so okay. champagne yeast... Mm-hmm. Is known as a quick and like clean fermenter. Gentle and clean. Yeah, it just gets it done because right. mm-hmm. you know you're trying to preserve all the acid and whatnot. Well, and, and you can that, also so. look at the alcohol. So the alcohol is true. Right. So 11.6 percent alcohol, you know, with a, a, a TA of over nine and a pH mm-hmm. of 2.9. So those We're are traditional well. base wine numbers for right. uh, a sparkling wine. So the champagne yeast sort of made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's kind of funny when you look for conventional yeast. You literally look through a catalog. And you're looking at a graph that says, oh, do you want more strawberry? Do you want more watermelon? Do you want more of this? And like, I've never seen one of those. Specific, oh, so. yeah. all, um, when I get... They don't usually keep those in the tasting room. Right. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not out. Just stay under lock and key. <laughs> in a Even though I don't buy any yeast, they always send you the catalog. And huh. um, it is fascinating. Um, and how many yeasts there are. Huh. Just another mm-hmm. spice for the yeah. spice I mean, boxing. you know, winemakers... <laughs> That um, use cultured yeast are very, very passionate about the yeast they use. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're yeah. I mean, some people have yeast named after them, like William and Selim. They have right. their own yeast and they have their own ML bacteria as well. So, yeah. Well, and um, maybe Brandy seeking an unpredictable result uh, is a good place to um, sort of segue into. We tried this a few different times, takes five and six. Uh, but here on take 12, um, let's talk about sort of your background. Um, you have worked on a lot of different phases of wine from, you know, literally like ground prep and planting to mm-hmm. um, picking Shannon Blanc when you're supposed to pick Roussan buds for a <laughs> budding <laughs> project. We can talk about that more later. Uh, I, thought we, and, I and paid you s- enough yesterday. I know. You got me a club sign up out of it, too. Um, so, you know, working in big production wineries, working for more artisan things, um, mm-hmm. you know, working for the hipsters and not the hipsters. So right. maybe do a little quick sure. sort of intro and, and intro. And, and, then, and then intro the other half. Yeah. So the source um, and the sink, I, depending on the day. Yeah, right. yeah. So I am a native of Chicago, Illinois. Um, my family is fourth generation. Uh, I was raised in the suburbs north of the city, so a proud member of Deerfield alumni. Um, Deerfield High. Deerfield High. Yes, my high school was more <laughs> or less like if you've ever seen the movie Days of Confused, that's what my life was. So, inspiration uh, <laughs> under <Spicoli>. intoxication <laughs> happened at a young age for me. Um, I had uh, a good group of friends, whom of which parents uh, had wine cellars, and I would I always say that we would borrow wine. Um, from them with the intention that when I did make one, I would give it back to them. So that's what that's what this is all about. Okay. Terrific. Yeah, that's exactly. Chicago and uh, fill up Gary sorry. and Beth and Stephanie and Steve, the first case of wine is on the yeah, house. Yeah, it's on the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we uh, would drink uh, those wines, uh, not really knowing what they were, but later finding out that we were dipping into like Silver Oak and Chateau Margaux, and we were getting into Gigondas, and I had no idea. We were drinking out of the bottle. You know, like, these are <laughs> really nice wines, very lucky. Uh, caught wind of Spectator, saw a guy on an ATV with a dog, and I was like, I want that to be my life. 
And <laughs> I moved from Chicago as far west as I could, studied at Colorado State University, and I achieved a degree in horticulture. Um, halfway through my studies, uh, they started a viticulture and enology program, which was sort of not really a viticulture and enology, but we would uh, learn the fundamentals of winemaking and grape growing from uh, two uh, professors. And the, the best part about that curriculum is that they require we go and take a semester off to work study. So we got internships with credits, and my first harvest was at Roche Winery in 2007, mm. Sonoma Valley, which was awesome. Um, I worked for a winemaker, whom of which I am still friends with today, uh, who taught me that winemaking shouldn't be taken seriously. It should always be fun. Um, but his number one lesson was keep drinking. Top like, your barrels. Yeah, top, top barrels. barrels but keep drinking, build your memory bank. Uh, and at that point, Scrub that tank. Right. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you also waste nine gallons of water to make one gallon of wine. Right. So uh, yeah, Waste. You got to clean shit. Exactly. Right. So... Um, Kind of wrap it up back in the aquifer, right? Yeah, exactly. Eventually, (laughs) from Roach, it all ends up in never mind somewhere else. Somewhere else. Um, (laughs) From those internships, uh, I got to work abroad in four different countries: so south of France, uh, New Zealand, Western Australia, South Africa, um, and then making my transition to the northern hemisphere. So I lived out of a backpack for about three years, stopping in Chicago in the summers. and then I landed in Sonoma Valley, and I worked and with the boys at Scribe Winery. Uh, I started in the tasting room, moved into the cellar at Tin Barn, where I met Dane for the first time, where he had been working with uh, Julia, mm-hmm. um, who, of which was making Hamill at the time. And then after two years, sort of hitting a glass ceiling with uh, the guys at Scribe, I was sort of at a crossroads. And mind you, I'd always wanted to be a vineyard manager, but everyone told me you need to choose because vineyard management and winemaking are on opposite ends. Like, no one dare cross paths. It's two different things. And I had been trying to interview schedules. with uh, vineyard management companies, and someone had told me, he's like, listen, you need to figure out what you want. You need to go down one path or the other. And he, but if you learn both you're going to be a very powerful person one day. And that to me was just like, I have to know both now. Like everything I've really pretty much learned in winemaking is self-taught. So, um, or by observation, which I think is my, uh, the one thing that I've learned along the way is the most important as a winemaker is being observant of everything. I mean, I I think I, I, I agree with you. I mean, not necessarily that you can't do both, but I think if you have a real strong viticulture background, I've said this before, it it really helps you in the winery. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're just in the winery and then you start going into the vineyard, you never seem to get enough time in the vineyard, you know? Right. Um, whereas if mm-hmm. you're in the vineyard all the time, it just it seems to flow better. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'd love to be able to take a year off and just work for a, vi- yeah. for a vineyard man. We're, we're, we're hiring. Do you know how to drive a tractor? <laughs> I actually do, yeah. <laughs> you want to do some midnight spray runs? Midnight sprays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not ideal. Um, but Don't I mean, that's... We'll be back in time to take Dane to school, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's just down the street just, from your house. Yeah, <laughs> I, might smell like sulfur a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, I 
forget where I was. So, anyways, I you were interviewing <laughs> for a vineyard management company. Vineyard management job, and then I met uh, Lauren, uh, Phil's uh, f- phenomenal uh, assistant viticulturist, whom of which introduced me to Phil. She doesn't listen. It's okay. Well, yeah, you can say whatever you want about her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should so, probably get her on sometime. But yeah, we should. Yeah. Well, I had one hundred percent. She's you making know. wine now too, actually. Yeah, yeah. And she yeah. loves yes. wine from the Jura. The Jura. <laughs> she Does makes she a wine really? called Tesseract. She was in for dinner like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and it was all about the Jura. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know. Hyperoxidized. Hyperoxidized natty juice. Uh, she's kind of hyper from Connecticut, so that makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hyperoxidized. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I joined the uh, Enterprise Vineyards Mafia. For uh, the vintages of 2014. We prefer mob. We prefer mob. mob. Be, okay, yeah. The tie-dye mob. Yeah. Mafia is a little more organized. Mafia, <laughs> right, <laughs> <okay. laughs> Don Katuri, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I worked with uh, Phil for 2014 and 15. I was sort of the foreman assistant vineyard manager up on top of Moon Mountain for uh, Corbin Cameron, uh, Silver Cloud, which is uh, Stone Edge Estate, and then now... Uh, known as Trinity Ridge, but was Lookout Ridge. Um, so I spent all my days for two years up on top of the mountain learning how to speak Spanish, work in the vineyard, work with a shovel, you know, and uh, manage a, a vineyard from pruning to picking, which was what I had been missing. And I always tell my older brother, um, I got a master's degree in organic grape growing for free. Or actually, no, I got paid for it. Man. Which was fantastic. It cost you, though. (laughs) It cost you something. (laughs) Years on your life. Definitely did. So um, from there, I worked uh, after two years with Phil, went to Roche Winery for two years as assistant winemaker, which is a perfect segue because that's when I met Aaron um, sitting to the right of me, who was my intern in 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wait a minute. So you guys, you're both from Chicago, but you met out here. Yes. Met at Roche. Yeah. Met at Roach. So, um, Different parts of Chicago? Yeah, yeah. I'm from the, from the western suburbs and actually lived in Chicago up until about two years ago. Okay. So mm-hmm. did they pair you guys up? They're like, oh, this guy's from Chicago. Chicago We're going to pair him up with you. It was complete good fortune. This is kind of like a boy <laughs> band type of thing, right? <laughs> right? Well, let's find a, some guys from Chicago. Chicago. Put them together. Yeah. Make some wine. Right. We'll put put them in some plaid yeah. shirts. Right. <laughs> put some juice in a bottle. Put a cool label on it. Done. Done. It's that e- it's, it's that easy, right? So far, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so my my background kind of starts out like Randy's, goes completely different, and then somehow we come together here for the uh, the, the the same uh, same goal of making wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I you know went to uh, went to college at a Big Ten school, Indiana University. Um, got a finance degree. Went into business. Um, did mergers and acquisitions for many years in Chicago. Um, that was a great way to get into wine at a young age. A lot of the partners and senior executives, um, the clients really liked wine. So I got to drink really, really great wine that way. Look at the color on this wine. My God. Sorry to interrupt you, but that is beautiful. Yeah, you were talking oh, about yeah. purple teeth from Napa tasting. This is... Uh, Look at that. So this is... Uh, all these wines are 2018s, everybody. Yeah. Um, so these are um, these wines were made to be bottled um, and and consumed right away, right? Yeah. Yes, but the beautiful thing about 2018 is uh, they're going to last forever. On on a, a chemistry level, the the foundation of these wines would suggest that they'd be able to age anywhere, you know, from five to you know thirty yeah, years, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. 
maybe. So if, anyway, sorry, go back. If any last that long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so ba- basically after uh, you know working in mergers and acquisitions, uh, had some corporate jobs, which allowed me to travel the world, increasing the wine knowledge and passion, got to take a lot of side trips um, in, in different European wine regions as part of you know business travel, and started collecting wine myself. Um, moved back to Chicago. I was based in Detroit for a few years, um, working in a company there. Um, worked at Jim Beam um, for what? yeah. So we had to throw that, that in there. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yeah, I worked at Jim Beam. Yeah. Mergers and acquisitions, whiskey. Yeah, pretty 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 varied uh, pretty varied setup. But yeah, I, I did uh, international strategy for them. All right. um, was there? So right it was actually it was like in your field. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it kind of kind of brought all the things together. But I mean, yeah, who wouldn't want to work at Beam Suntory, right? And they've got isn't that amazing? So Beam is owned by Suntory, which is a oh, Japanese right. whiskey yeah. company. But remember, Beam was pretty heavy in Sonoma, well, in California wine, specifically Sonoma wine, because they owned Quota Blot at one point. And do yep. you remember who else they owned? They, owned, they actually owned... Um, well, it, was, it was a lot of what became Constellation's yeah, right. wine division. Correct, yeah. Yeah, and so that's a, lo- a lot of the... Uh, so now Gallo owns it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. But They're coming after us. It, it's interesting. There's people that I've met out here <laughs> that knew Beam Wine Estates from like back in the day. Right. But that, they, they sold that probably cases. 10 years ago. Right, right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a short kind of quick... But what did you do there? Yeah, so, so worked on projects uh, you know, to expand their markets in Mexico, in China, in Eastern Europe. Okay. But all on the whiskey side. Yeah, exactly. All on spirits. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, they own vodka, they own gin, they own, you know, they, they own a hundred different brands. Um, but I was only there for about a year. Um, there was a, uh, kind of a big corporate upheaval with the Suntory takeover, as you'd imagine. And the, um, the, the, they keep you guys, they give you bottles of stuff. They keep, oh yeah. Yeah. Once a week. So there was, there was a thing was called the cage downstairs. Okay. And you could go in and you could get a bottle every Friday of anything. Anything. It well, was. What fan- did you get? What was your go-to? <laughs> oh, I mean, get Hibiki Twelve Year, right? Like, just get. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Get get some some Spanish gins. You know, get any mm. anything and everything. They had R and D bottles there too, which weren't you know able to be resold. But right. so, I, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. So Aaron moved all his his belongings from Chicago to Napa in a container. And I was like, hey, I'll help you move, right? You're my new business <laughs> he, partner. He, he, he regrets this decision. I helped him move. The whole, the half, the shipping container was fucking <laughs> alcohol. It was, his I whole, did. it was his whole bar, like glassware and boxes and boxes of like this really fine I, whiskey. I have, I have a, so he's the sink. <laughs> I have a, <laughs> yeah, it, it goes back and forth. Absolutely. I, I, have, I have a full working bar in my dining room. Um, yeah, so that that's Why kind of. Why are we podcasting from your guys' house today? <laughs> right, exactly. We we can do future one from there, okay. um, but yeah. So I take one hundred. There is take a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 kind of you know seeing the business side of it that got me really passionate about it. But you know with the uh, kind of corporate uh, restructuring nature of it with the uh, Centauri takeover, I was out. So had a severance check. Uh, was kind of personally and professionally wayward and adrift. Um, so I started started looking west. Um, been out to California many Go times. West, young man. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Liz Fair or whoever the writer was. Uh, n- um, fuck. Wavy old gra- old newspaper man gravy. from San from from New York. Okay. Um, it'll come to me. I'll remember. I think it is a Liz Fair song too. But uh, it's also a Liz Fair song. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. Is that a uh, Chicago thing? Yeah, like, thing. like a ni- like a nineties thing. Nineties <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I only listened to the Griffle Dead in the nineties. Right? Exactly. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. What do you listen to in, in two thousand nineteen? The Griffle Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you're a fan. 
I'm not. I have no choice. It's in my DNA. Yep. So um, we'll, I, I want to talk about the wine a little bit. Yes. Um, so Field Blend, can you tell us the, the, the makeup of the blend? Yeah, yeah. So, so Field Blend, um, you know, Randy can probably explain this much more eloquently um, than I have. But right, Field Blends is specifically how vineyards were planted with different. No, varietals. no, no. We want to know but, what, what, what it is. But, but ours, ours is a is a tribute to that concept. Right. Okay. So our the DNA of our Field Blend uh, is sixty five percent Petite Syrah, twenty five percent Alicante Boucher, and ten percent Carignan. Um, this. Fruit comes from a vineyard in Glen Ellen, uh, just south of uh, Lassiter Family Vineyard at a ranch called Dunbar, mm -hmm. um, off of Dunbar Road. Um, the vineyard block itself was intentionally planted to be bottled as a field blend, yeah, so it, it has uh, Zinfandel as well, but we did not have enough money to buy the Zin, only enough to buy the spare parts. Um, and uh, we were very, very fortunate to do so. So this vineyard was planted by... Chewy. Chewy, yeah. And uh, Mike Lee from Kenwood was the one who kind of called out what was to be planted. Um, a lot of people have gotten the grapes over the years. There's been some pretty weak interpretations of wines out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I, I have to say, I mean, not this, weak. Is, this is yeah. not weak and yeah, it's, you know, it, it's fresh and bright. And um, I think you captured it really nicely in its freshness and whatnot. Thank you. Um, yeah. it's, Thank you. You know, it's definitely got a little bit of the. You can tell it's young when you first pour it, but it's opening up pretty quick. Y yeah, um, exactly. What I have uh, sort of adopted in my sales pitch is like w over time, in the course of maybe two or three hours, or even two or three days, when this wine's been open, it goes through phases where it'll be brightly bouquet in the petite syrah spectrum. Then it'll go through its alicante phase, and then a carignan phase which is really fun. But I mean, you know, Bart, you have a ton of experience working on the soil series and, and Sam, your, your dad as well. But the middle of Sonoma Valley is this really cool. I, I mean, I, I heard the phrase, the Glen Ellen moguls yeah. when I started farming right. here. And, and that was what, so I, I, I referenced that and I found that it was an old, um, uh, California grapevines rating, and that's what they referred to the Sonoma Valley at the time was is the Glen Ellen Moguls, and it's that area from Cundy down to Old Hill, Old Hill. you mm -hmm. know, and it really is. They're like moguls. Yeah, um, um, it's a warmer spot. It's you know, it's technically valley floor, but all those are little benches off of the valley floor because mm -hmm. it does follow the creek the whole right, right. the whole way through well, Sonoma Creek. You're at by the time you get up there, you're at a few hundred feet elevation. Yeah. yeah. And when I think Valley Floor, I'm talking, you know, the plaza. Correct. Up, which is mm -hmm. like 50, 60 feet. Correct. By the right. time you get, you know, to the regional park. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you shift from the flats, you know, consistently Wachica, or, uh, Wachica Clay Loams. Correct. And then you get into the valley and you start to getting into the volcanics right. and you get into the alluvials and right. the basalts. And that, I think, is what defines these wines in the middle of Sonoma Valley are these cobbly loam or uh, soils. And like you're getting 
uh, refinement on the tannins and you're getting refinement on the palate. And, you know, if you picked at the right time, cropped at the right level, you're getting a lot of really beautiful flavors. I, I mean, this vineyard has always, it. for the most part, has always been farmed for more production farming. Mm -hmm. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, it, it, it was, um, they, they were trying to get some tons out of it and try to make some money out of it. And, um, I, that's at least the way I always felt, you know. So I mean, it's right. It's right next to Stone Farm, right in between, between Stone, Stone Farm, Farm and Lasseter, yeah. and yeah. you know that's all very unique soils there, and you know Big cobbles powder, you know. and mm -hmm. um, uh, pushed up river bed and stuff. Um, so is the vineyard though? separate blocks of these varietals how are you so how did they so, pull the zinfandel like here you go pick the because we have mm -hmm. I, you've probably been on these picks at old hill where you yeah. go with will buckland then you're walking through the vineyard and he picks all the zin first and then everything else after so you like you can pick that vine that vine that's the slowest pick because right. he's in front of you on everything <laughs> and you can't pick that vine Okay, don't right. pick that vine. Pick that vine. Pick you know, it's like the so, true. So in this field case, blend. it is different blocks. There was okay. a Merlot block, a Zin block, and then there's a block that is these other varieties Exa that you guys. Got. Right, exactly. So there's a two acre block, um, uh, and you know, Chewy or, or Daz, uh, when he planted some vineyards, he would do these like double VSP yeah. rows, yeah. really close They're together, really very, weird, very hard inconvenient, to farm. inconvenient to farm. Um, but those are those, like, two, yeah, 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 right. yeah, exactly. And uh, so these uh, individual varieties are planted linearly. So I have like there were like six rows of Alicante, then there were like you know twenty rows of Petit Syrah, and like eight rows of Car uh, Carignan. So technically, field blend people associate with old vine vineyards, right. sort of this uh, crazy chaotic sort of everywhere but nowhere. Um, uh, unorthodox, but this is uh, definitely a little bit more strategic. But um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't crop a whole heck of a lot. It don't get a lot of fruit. Um, our red field blend is the largest production wine that we make. We How make about cases? 330 cases. Um, this is our, hopefully going to be our client. Yeah, this, this will be the flagship. Hopefully, this is the flagship. Um, but uh, what is this going to retail for? Uh, this is going to retail for $28 on our website that is going live online tomorrow, Wednesday. Well, we'll be live by the time you listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, right. Maybe oh, if, we'd, if you no, cut take to start over. one, Sorry, it wouldn't have been, but by take seven or eight. Hi, well, welcome to the winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, what I think what should happen is that they should wait to launch their brand until the podcast hit, right? Well, duh. I hmm. mean... Of course. All right, we've been waiting yeah. far we, too long. Listen, we know there was no business plan written, right? <laughs> Definitely not. It's no. a wine business. No, I didn't no. know that there was no, no, no. Yeah. There's an opportunity to get you know, businesses very, in quotes. Yeah, nobody yeah. wants to see that on paper. <laughs> no, the plan part is in quotes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we should mention that, that you guys have, okay. as of this podcast, if you are hearing this on Friday, you have officially been selling your wine for two days. Correct. How's it going so far? Uh, two days and a, and a week. In a week. <laughs> two okay. Two days in a week. Okay. So yeah, you guys. I mean, you've been holding on to product and ready. You are like fully ready to go now. With oh, I see how Randy's playing it. You're waiting until the very last wine to pour the Alicante, just mm. because you're making me wait. He's afraid Actually, you're gonna leave. The Alicante <laughs> does not come last. The Petit Syrah comes last. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, one so, common as I look at you pouring the second wine here. One common thing here is. The colors on these, right? Uh, the 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 rosé and the amphora rosé are, um, the amphora rosé is 
barely. It's like seven, almost like Sauvignon almost Blanc. Almost like yeah. Sauvignon Blanc. The rosé is a beautiful rosé color, nice and light. Um, these two wines have that youthfulness of being less than a year old um, color to them. And that's that's really cool. And for those of us that work in the cellar, you're always most impressed with wine when it's young, when it has its brightest color and it has mm-hmm. the most... Um, the, the, it's the most vivid. It's got so. shine to it's it. It's got shine yeah. to it. So yeah. these wines are very much living in that right now, which is very cool. Right. There is yeah. a, a very energetic wine right yes. now. Yeah. And it's and that's And the acid and that's in fun. this wine is very much alive. Yeah. Pass, and this, pass that over here. <laughs> the next wine you're tasting is the Carignan. So uh, Carignan is a big berry varietal, big clusters. Um, we don't get a whole heck of a lot of this. Maybe one between one and two tenths, I think. Uh, so we uh, saved some for the red fuel blend, but then we decided to do some single varietal stuff. So we only have fifty-six cases of this available. Um, it yeah. is a true twelve point one, uh, screaming acidity, but like juicy and crunchy um, on the palate, and uh, with a little bit of time as it opens up, very perfumed and high tones of red fruits, which is uh, really fun aromatically and pleasing to the senses. So yeah. um, I uh, did a little bit of research and found out that I think we are the only people in Sonoma Valley who make a single varietal Carignan. So if uh, you really? astray yeah. from Mendocino and yeah. Contra Costa County then uh, and you look into Sonoma Valley, you'll only find Source and Sink carrying it. So That's pretty remarkable, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... As somebody who's um, inherently skeptical of low alcohol wines, um, they're not drinking. They don't look like low alcohol wines. That color that you guys are talking about, they're not drinking like low alcohol wines. Yeah, I mean, I know you have the alcohol on pretty. It's like maybe the third biggest font on the front label, um, but for me, it's almost like you know, it's it's an afterthought. One way or the other, whether or not these are ripe flavors, and they are. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the wines no doubt have ripe flavors. They're bright and fruity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I do find it interesting that you do have the alcohol. So most people are like hiding it. It's like you can you can do it's like put it on the back in the smallest typeface, which is like point. It's like six point font. I think is the smallest it can be. Is it smaller now? Thanks to the Trump tax law, we can make we can <laughs> yeah. alcohol. But, but change that's I mean, this is this is a source Lord of pride. This is, this is something you actually want people to to know. V- about very the very much. Alcohol, right? I mean, in my in my professional life now, I work for lots of places in Napa. Places you you may have mentioned in your Cabernet tasting from yesterday, okay. and th- those are places that you know sometimes make really big wines in every form of the word, including alcohol and. Some some of these wines, I don't think people realize how much alcohol is really in them, mm-hmm. and, and how much that's just, you know, kind of flavor blasting it, right? Which is a term that should just be reserved for goldfish. <laughs> what? I don't like <laughs> the, the cracker is not actual goldfish. My kid's not eating goldfish. Oh, yet. Your flavor kid eats goldfish. goldfish. Oh, okay, is not a, actual goldfish. Is that a thing? Like, right, right. Pepperidge Farm has a new flavor blasted. Well, they're the intensely flavored, so you know the pizza flavor goldfish. Pizza that's flavor. where I saw you, you your know. glass yes. has goldfish on it. I was like, <laughs> why is that subliminally coming up right. in this conversation? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about goldfish crackers. What else did he put in this wine? Well, but yeah, no, say, I, I think no you, cannabis you, has been. You, um, wait till wait till take you, twelve. You've, uh, <laughs> you've yeah, cor- yeah, correctly yeah. noted a source of pride. I mean, that was one thing 
you know, when I came out here to work the harvest, Randy was my boss. He was also my mentor on all things wine related. What kind um, of boss is Randy? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a, a, a cruel but well, I love how Randy dictator. just got real yeah. interested. He benevolent, was like, dic- oh. benevolent dictator. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. He had 100% told me during harvest that I am like a Russian gymnastics coach. <laughs> and we yell at him as he's doing punch downs. I was on top of a barrel, like telling him, like, corner, get the corner. There's so many places. Stick the landing. Yeah. Stick the landing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I am exactly. the epitome of a middle child born in September. I am. I am. Yeah. Control freak. The, the, Sorry, the fire and the fury. But yeah, uh, exactly. And redheaded or red beard, blonde hair. But yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's that said. You know, I learned so much from working the harvest, and you know, Randy taught me. You know, kind of tasting notes, uh, ways to you know ferment wine, ways to look at vineyards, all of these different things, and. So as we were talking about this label, we wanted to, you know, make that a focal point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That these are these are wines made with a lot of intention, a lot of skill, yeah. a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nerve and energy and yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Tension. Tension. We haven't used tension in quite tension. some time. The last wine did have a lot of tension. Well, mm-hmm. This isn't I quite take three had more tension. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, 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 we're in another stratosphere right now. No, these are, you know, I had opened these wines at the house and I was like, man, I even told Aaron, I was like, we need to get some of these wines open because they have so much tension that like, say two or three hours, you know, from now and we'll leave the wines with you guys, you try them today and or tomorrow. Right. Like our petite Syrah is going to crush by the glass because, and if you're on day two, that petite Syrah, you're in for a treat. I mean, these wines have so much substance to them that when they do open up, like it's a completely different wine. And uh, that's something I really like about my winemaking styles. I have always I adopted this theory. I just made it up because as a self-made winemaker, I can do that sort of thing. And I adapted this theory called the slingshot theory, where you take a, you can take a wine, extract it, and put it into a state of reduction all the way as far back to a certain point and when you open the bottle, it just like throws itself out at you, and it shows its layers and its you know primary, secondary, tertiary, you know over time. Tertiary, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, good schools in Deerfield, Illinois. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's you know that every we didn't learn that working at Enterprise Vineyards. Yeah. Well, you know every grapevine bud has three buds. So there's a primary, secondary, and a tertiary. So you and did your learn primary and your secondary have fruit, and your tertiary is your insurance bud right so if deer come through and munch your vineyard one year and they eat your primary and secondary buds your third year you're probably not going to get any fruit right so that you have to wait so in any case that's nerdy science nerdy talk tertiary yeah tertiary Here it comes can, guys can you spell tertiary I mean, tertiary absolutely not i still right. can't spell a restaurant right. so <laughs> thank god for spell thank, check yeah, yeah. Thank, thank god auto, for auto correct, auto correct. Too. Um, steve jobs to the rescue yeah well, I mean, the one thing we haven't, you know, talked about, and it came up earlier in conversation, is there is this word of natural wine, and um, it says natural on the label right there. It does. It's the smallest font on there, actually. Yeah. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you, you, and and what you were just speaking about with you know putting a wine in reduction and then letting it open up, open up on its own. I mean, that's something that. Um, natural winemakers kind of talk about and stuff and i always joke that it just means that you know what could have been fixed in the cellar didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) right um but um 
but these are all made for the most part have been made um, from organic vineyards. Yes. And yeah. from um, you have used yeast a little bit here and there, correct? But is the goal to eventually get to 100% organic and 100% hands off? I, ideally, yes. I mean, when you make wine at a state of the art facility, um, and you can work with temperature controlled situations, that's a benefit because our lots are so small and we ferment in punchin or an amphora or a, uh, a half ton bin. You know, I, I do what I can to use the power of the sun to try to warm up ferments to get them going on their own. Um, these lots, because it was our first run, uh, they will uh, do their best to start naturally, but when uh, an intern leaves the lid off your fermentation bin and what it kind starts of intern to smell like BA, then was me. No, it wasn't Aaron. It was uh, some some other intern. I well, uh, you, you know touch as yeah. things start to um, go through the ferment, uh, some uh, commercial yeast and a very very small unnormal amount was added to kind of aid that sort of yeah. process. So um, yeah, we put natural quality on there. It, you know, you look at our labels; they're a, they're a, a nod to you know the early fruit production labels and uh, old California and old Chicago posters yep. and natural quality was something that we saw on a label that popped out to us and it you know coincides with you know you know an ethos that we want to kind of uh, continue with our winemaking and our grape growing practices um, mm. we would you know we use amphora we use little sulfur you know we're making wines that are safe by alcohol and uh, pH standards so um, I'm not going off the deep end. I don't think that's the right way to well, go. Well, no, you started a winery. You've officially know, gone off yeah, the deep exactly. end. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah. You, that's why you're drinking 2018 red wines, because we have to start making some money back. Um, but, you know, I'm not trying to sell snake's blood. Like, I'm, I, I, if I'm going to make a natural wine, it's coming from organic grapes. It's not getting yeasted, and I'm not putting sulfur in it. That's, it's a raw wine. It's a raw product. It's, right. You know, it should be that. It, you know, I'm not, there's no smoke and mirrors, so... Full, full transparency, but um, you know, you're making wine. We're making wine. Yeah, yeah. making yeah. wine. I'm having fun right. doing yeah. it too. If something yeah. happens during the fermentation, you're gonna fix it so you don't have to absolutely um, declassify yeah. it or get rid of I it. I had mm -hmm. remember watching a video from Chateau Panay Cadet. Panay Cadet. Yeah, yeah. If, correct me if I'm wrong. Saying when I when I say that, you know, they're biodynamic producers, like, and they're first growth Bordeaux, and like. If something bad happens in the vineyard, they say they're going to whip out and use conventional practices. Right. Like mm -hmm. they're not going to risk their mm -hmm. livelihood in, in that respect. And since leaving a full time job and making this my full time job, this is my livelihood. So yeah. you know, I've got a lot of you know, you learn a lot of winemaking yeah. tools along the way, and it's like you got to use them when you can. So, so yeah. the stakes are high. I mean, the stakes are high from, you know, 750 cases, first vintage in Sonoma to old growth Bordeaux. The stakes are high. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and for, for yeah. Randy and I, our, our names are on the label. Literally. Right. <laughs> like quite figuratively, but quite literally. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so we wanted to make sure that this is, you know, no bottle variation, right? Things will be consistent and the same. And right. Um, and you're going and you're selling it in your your neighborhood. You're going back to yeah. You know, people are going to see your moms if like you got a bad bottle. You're going to hear about it, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, they, they will. They will definitely tell our fathers and mothers <laughs> like, yeah. hey, they, yeah, yeah, stuff was no good. Right. Right. So, um, can you? We haven't really talked about this. The inspiration of source and sink. Sure, absolutely. I was actually just thinking about bubbling that to the surface as well. So. Um, 
like I had mentioned before, I got a degree in horticulture, and uh, in the curriculum, you have to take a plant physiology class. Um, and you know, this this term, source and sink, um, you know, comes up in, in many different classes over a four-year period. But when I learned grapevine physiology or physiology of plants, just in general, um, the word source and sink literally stuck out to me. So I've been holding on to this phrase since I was 19 years old. And I was like, that's going to be my wine label. So, so wait a minute. So it is a term that's used. Yes. So what does it, what does it mean? We have put the term on the back of the label. It's definitely not it, a... An, 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 an abridged definition. Yeah, an abridged, not a three-page definition like you would in a textbook. But source and sink is defined as the positive flow of energy created by the vine's sources that is later translocated to the vine's points of interest known as sinks. And then we have in quotations, i.e. roots, leaf tips, and fruit. So when you think about uh, any plant, or let's be specific to a grapevine, um, you have photosynthetic leaves that are basically like cylinders in a V12 engine. And those cylinders and uh, those leaves create the power to move sugars and carbohydrates up and down through the roots all the way to the leaf tips. So vines go through a state of uh, vegetative growth. So they're, it's like what's going on right now right. out in the vineyards. So right now we have, we're through bud break. We're, we've seen fruit uh, clusters, premature little, inflorescence little baby, out there. Little baby grapes. Baby grapes. Uh, it's looking to be a, a very consistent crop, uh, which is fantastic. But we're probably anywhere from like six to terrifying to say something that definitive this year. Fuck you, Randy. Power observation. Observe. Maybe this won't ever air. Yeah. But we're say we're maybe like six to twelve inches of of growth right now, and we're starting to show some photosynthetic leaves, and that's creating a lot of energy, and we're growing. At a certain point, you transition uh, into reproductive growth. So right around when the vines, canes, or shoots start to lignify. Um, turn into, that's when they turn from green to like green woody to brown. brown. Yeah. yeah, people will hedge the vineyard row so it looks like it's a garden and perfectly manicured. Then all of that energy sort of goes down into its other sink, uh, into the fruit. So uh, that's on the, the term sort of loose-lipped. Uh, translocated into grapevine terms. So, yeah, it's super nerdy, but it's catchy kind of. And we did a we had a fantastic uh, designer, uh, whom of which uh, shout out Tim Gatto. I think yeah, I think he's yeah. a shout podcast. out to Tim Gatto. Got a design. You better listen to this one anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you know as 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 you just you know saw, Randy is you know qu- quite an expert on on grape growing, winemaking, and. So I I ate all that up right like during harvest yeah. right I yeah. we've well, already established that you know <laughs> right. yeah right. the benevolent right, exactly. dictator <laughs> said did you say our wine label will be source and sink and Aaron said <laughs> yeah okay Anyway, I like it Randy yeah. can I get you some more coffee <laughs> right right exactly but but so I mean the more we the more we thought about it right it's it's the two the two disparate parts right it's the the two different parts of the grapevine that come together to make something like a like a grape that is capable of wine mm-hmm. right well and, and it's I like the sort of energetically that it's the two sort of the 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 beginning and the end the yeah. the source and the goal you know you guys I think we've always been joking who's the source who's the sink you're the source the wine is the sink right I mean that's mm-hmm. 
you know, you've put everything into this, yeah. and now mm-hmm. you're completely tapped out, and we're drinking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And and I and I do love the reference to you know the positive flow of energy. Um, uh, Alan York, the biodynamic um, uh, consultant who passed away a number of years ago, he used to always talk about when the season changed, and you know the. Um, everything that was stored in the ground starts to come up and starts to produce the energy, which gives us the new vintage. And mm-hmm. um, so very much on that same line, I like it. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. good. So that's the, the, the foundation of Source and Sink. So. And, and it really does the, um, I like your description of the old California. Uh, the, the fruit the, labels. The, the fruit yeah, label. The end of the, yeah. you know, the end of the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Just, no, they really stand out. But the, um, how did you guys kind of, choose varietals like is it just because you happen to know someone who had a vineyard who had this or was it specifically hey it would be cool to work with some old vine stuff it'd be cool to work with some roan stuff like what was the thought process yeah i think i mean when it came came down to it randy and i you know sitting on my back deck drinking wine thinking about what we wanted our label to be he's got connections to so many different vineyards out in this area and so much knowledge of the different old vine sources so yeah we wanted to go with you know kind of heritage varietals from mm-hmm. Sonoma, Sonoma Valley. Yeah, we, we wanted to make a brand for Sonoma Valley too. I mean, like one of the wackier, um, I'd say, pieces of information that I could tell about the valley is like eighty-five percent of Sonoma Valley is owned by big companies, like uh, you know, Constellation. Okay, wait a minute. Group. You got, you need to you need to. That needs a little better explanation. Okay. 85% of the vineyards, maybe. Repeat that. Right. Okay, so go down Sonoma Valley. Okay, so you could start here in the flats, but when you get into Sonoma Valley proper, you have B.R. Cone, and then you go up. You have Benzinger now. You have Imagery. You've got So you're talking more about the properties. Right. Not the... the, What... Where is Sonoma Valley's... So the, the, the... the valley itself, out in the market, Sonoma Valley, is consistent with Chateau Saint-Jean, St. Francis, Imagery, Benzinger, right. B.R. Cone. Right. Like, there's six. But, but, but a lot of moon, of, like, right. And so they're, they're and, and I'm not arguing with you because this no, is, no. It's, it's unfortunately what we're always uh. Sonoma Valley wineries owned by Sonoma, people living in Sonoma Valley, and primarily vineyard source in Sonoma Valley have now become... Sonoma County Appalachian wines right. mm-hmm. and even maybe California Appalachian wines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're trying to do is we're making the wine here and we're making it from grapes here. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Of of Thank these you. varieties that are of these sort of varieties. The, the, right. You know, defined Sonoma Valley pre mm-hmm. you know, finding well, varieties. All that. I right. had an epiphany when I was in Chicago selling two weeks ago and I was on the train going to O'Hare Airport, coming back to California. Mm. I was like, why didn't I think about this? These grapes that we made wine from are the grapes that were the foundation of California wine before Cab, Pinot, and Chard. Yeah. People were drinking Old Vine field blends, Zinfandel, yep. Petit Sirac, Carignan, Alicante, Perlisan, Mavedra, Grenache, Senso. Like, There's a long list of, of you know, Barbera, there's Syrah, like... These were America's grapes. I mean, they come. They started in, you know, viticulture is said to have started in Sonoma Valley, and so like it's a, it's a, totally a throwback and a nod to it. And like, um, you know, we got lucky. Like, I worked for a vineyard management company last year that farmed these vineyards. So like, I saw these like little, you know, 
allotments of, of grapes. And I was like, well, let's start the brand. Like, let's yeah. just run with it. Um, so yeah, we're, I mean, we'd ideally love to work with as much Alicante out there in Petit Sra and Carignan. There's not a whole heck of a lot of right. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Options but are pretty limited, right? Pretty, pretty limited. But yeah, that, I think, you know, we love Kermit Lynch. I mean, like Kermit yep. Lynch, he's got a terrific portfolio of wines from the South of France and South of France, you know, consistently makes like light red wines, Carignan, mm-hmm. uh, so you guys probably Grenache, Syrah, like yeah. You know, stylistically, and you know, those are the wines we like to drink. So yeah. those are the wines that we ideally want to make. Yeah, I mean, we did we did a lot of lot of uh, R and D work uh, at Kerbet Lynch. You know, just buying different wines, producers, learning all about how. If they you make ever it. need more help with that, you know, let me know. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can get Jen. All right. Um, so you, just so most likely there won't. Be, <laughs> so most likely there won't be a Carneros Pinot coming from Source and Sink. No. Uh, no. Unfortunately, not. Yeah. And if I was going to get you know, no offense. I don't know if Carnos is, would be the first place I would start. Right. I just um, mean in general, you're you're gonna you're gonna stay yeah. away from that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you know, if there was <coughs> some Sangiovese from Sonoma Mountain <laughs> from a available, you know, I would love Sangiovese. And if there, you know, we have some great sources of Merlot. Like, I would love to make Merlot. I think Merlot is a great Sonoma Valley wine. Yep. There's some fantastic. Mm-hmm you know, vintage Merlots coming out of Sonoma Valley, like yeah. from Kenwood especially. And like there's a couple great sources that I can reach out to. And, you know, Merlot might, if it makes a comeback, yeah. if someone wants to make a movie about Merlot out there and help <laughs> us out. like Robert, if you're listening, Uncle Bobby. Yeah, seriously, cut over your precious cab to Merlot, please. <laughs> yeah, right. Never I'm just thinking this. you can write the movie. Yeah. Let's, let's start small, right? Right. <laughs> I think that was my favorite thing when I did a tasting at Corbin Cameron six months ago, eight months ago. I think the Merlot just kind of knocked my socks off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really uh, good. I've been asking him every year if I could buy a Merlot. And then last year he's like, I ripped it out. Oh. So no I more, think, I think no more Merlot. <laughs> I think that may have been a fire damage. Yeah, block. fire yeah. damage and, that was, and yeah. poor, poor yields. But I remember in 2012 when I finally moved to Sonoma, I went up to my Akamas Vineyard. Um, before there was the, the mass transition from uh, Bob Travers to uh, the Schottenstein family and um, you know, our favorite jail, jailbird, uh, Charles Banks. Um, but, uh, you can I say had, what everyone, I don't think he's yeah, listening. And hopefully he's not listening, um, unless he's got a cell phone somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, he might. Any, in any case, I had gone up there and uh, I had uh, been tasted. I, I got to meet Bob Travers, and uh, he had uh, conveniently that day been having lunch with Dan Duckhorn and Francis Ford Coppola. And like, my casual grand- Tuesday in Napa. Casual right. Tuesday in Napa, you know, on top of the mountain, you know, dirt roads, and, you know, nothing was as beautiful and amazing as what your dad has done up there. And they were pouring Merlots from the top of the mountain on top of Mount Veter, like from you know early two thousands. It blew my mind. Yeah, those and were, the top of the right. mountain, like where Corbin's place is, is just like perfect for Merlot. Yeah, like yeah. Well, these, right and like left bank, you know, Bordeaux varieties up there. Cool hot sites, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's you're at the top of the mountain. You're not in the fog. Right. You're, it's not you know you don't have well you have ocean influence because you have. Mm-hmm. From Corbin's, you have like direct line. You can actually, on yeah. a clear day, you can see the ocean from Corbin's. We gotta get Corbin's working at like a real winery job. It doesn't have time to do okay. anything. So We're gonna get Corbin on here. Corbin's definitely listening. I, I, yeah. I just hit him up to come. We've asked him to be on a number of times. And last time it was, uh, he was 
traveling. And so recently he said he took a job. It's funny, he wouldn't tell me where he took the job at. Um, and he Should said maybe up? maybe after harvest. After harvest? Yeah, because he's just April. too way too busy. Way too busy. What's he d- All right. <laughs> I, I, I got to give Corbin, well, give him props. I, I mean, he's a, if, if anybody can get him to come on, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just doesn't like me very much. Good I can't even get him off the mountain for a burger and a beer. So, Corbin. Right. Corbin. Let's hang out soon, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> Corbin, if you're listening, we miss you. Your family and friends love you. Yes. <laughs> you can leave Napa and hang out with us in yeah. Sonoma every once in a while. Come have a burger at West Burgers. Yeah, West on. Burgers, exactly. <laughs> Thank God. West Burgers. <laughs> yeah. Doing that for but, dinner. Um, so I know we've, Bart, you may have just finished it, but the most recent wine oh, the in Alicante. your glass was, uh, I would say, California's Dark Horse, um, the Alicante Boucher. A uh, red fleshed grape uh, that probably is in every single old vine field blend from uh, as far south down in LA to uh, up north in Mendocino um, in old vine field blends. And we made a single varietal Alicante Boucher, and it's we, know, we, 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 we love had, it. We had sommeliers back in Chicago taste it, and they, you know, guys that have been doing this for 20 years and said they've never tasted a single varietal mm-hmm. Alicante. I know. Well, and it, is part of that sort of you know, when you go into a lot of these vineyards that have the a la carte boucher, it's mixed in with so much other stuff. It's kind of difficult to just pick out. And there's just right. by there's just not a lot of it. Like even those right. old vine vineyards, you know, the wine, the bottle that I was supposed to bring today, Randy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a new planting, but we have thirty vines of a la carte out there, and it's enough to make massive differences in the both the color and the texture of the wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you, those old, you didn't need a lot of it. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of a la carte, not because people didn't like it, just because it's it's roll. It, it you didn't need a lot to fill right. that. It's roll right. was color. I so kind of uh, like Petit Verdot in a way with the yeah, Bordeaux yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those things you only see usually see a little percentage of, mm-hmm. but it, but a little a, a little dabble do you absolutely? Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. don't uh, you know drop it on your white T-shirt, otherwise you'll have an unintentional tie dye yeah, T-shirt. The, the, right. the, the, the bins, the bins that we use at the winery, still stained, still stained. stained. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Totally. I think the, best. the, the amphora is uh, this uh, half of this. Uh, this wine was made up of two separate lots of Alicante, one of which comes from the Dunbar Ranch, and then the other of which comes from someone's backyard. This was the secret you wouldn't tell me the other day. Uh, no, the secret was the Dunbar Ranch. Uh, okay, um, but the <laughs> so you just told him. <laughs> well, cats out of the okay, bag. It's okay. I gotta <laughs> market myself somehow. Um, but this uh, backyard vineyard, um, old vines, 109 years old, used to be part of the Casa Santa Maria Vineyard that Morgan, I think, leases. Um, mm-hmm. But it's off off of Arnold Drive. So um, this is like on the back by the golf course. Yeah, close to yeah. it. It's near the Altamira School kind of yeah. store. Yeah. Gaffner used to get those. Yeah, I was gonna say, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, he may or may not have owned the home. I was going to say they lived there, I right? It, I think it was his wife's family right. uh, um, okay. owned it, and then they're not, not together right. anymore. So mm-hmm. I think right. it had to do something to do with that. But. That's, but that's, a, that's a great way to grade grapes in this valley, actually, is <laughs> through divorce. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a tragedy of others. More than often than you realize that like, shit like that goes yeah. down. Like, oh, those grapes are available? How come? Right. Uh, it's like, was it the what? label Two Buck Chuck? It, it, that's all, di- that's <laughs> all rumor. Come there's on. a lower. That's, yeah, that's all check. rumor. Yeah. When, when, when we went to Burgundy for the first time, it was a group of friends and... Um, I was single at the time, and they were all joking about maybe they could find me a, 
you know, a daughter of a vineyard owner, but it had to be at least 25 hectares and no older brothers. Smart. How'd that go? Here we are. Yeah, here we are. I'm not in Burgundy. Not in Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, I this was sort of like word of mouth, uh, so, small oh, little oh, vineyard small, that somebody uh, was going to be spending the summer in Europe, and they wanted someone to take care of the vineyard or the vines because there's only 16 of them. And uh, I went back there. Wait, 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 wait. yeah, wait, wait. No, no, no. Say that again. Okay, so in <laughs> someone's backyard, yeah, this was part of an old fine vineyard that was taken over by an urban sprawl, so it's, cookie it's, cutter homes. It's right. that new house that they built, right? Right. Yeah. There's I, I met that guy y- one time. Yeah. Well no 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 not on not on that vineyard. It's oh, Liquid oh. Amber Road, which is like a cul de sac. Oh, like um, across from Sonoma Greens. Liquid Amber, I know exactly where it is. You got I mean this is like you have to know Sonoma, but you drive by and there's a guy who's House there is a wooden fence with like plexiglass windows. And yes, right there yeah, is liquid and, and, and But yep. wasn't that wasn't that all part of a vineyard that um, Rosenblum used to get? Very much so. So yeah. I used to farm that vineyard. It's called Maggie's. It's off of Lark Avenue, and okay. then one block or one road north of that is Liquid Amber, and uh, the homeowner had these vines in the backyard, had a, no idea what they were, and they reached out to a friend of his, whom of which was Kaz, who owned mm-hmm. a winery. Oh, yeah. um, Kaz identified it as Alicante Boucher and would make, you know, pick the grapes anywhere from 500 to 1,000 pounds of fruit. And Off of 16 vines. 16 vines. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I got lucky last year. Like, we got about 1,000 pounds of fruit. And this wine, I wanted to keep it as a natural wine experiment, fermented naturally, and then aged in amphora. Um, and it turned out really well. And the vines sort of are self-regulating. They yield a lot. And I don't have to spray it, which is kind of nice. So it's a very organic uh, vineyard um, with intention. And I prune it, and then I sucker it, and then I do some leaf pulling and harvest it. And that's it. But that's a, a 50% makeup uh, of the wine, regardless, two separate lots of Alicante, um, and this wine is uniquely different, and I I love it. I would love to find more Alicante. So if anybody in Sonoma Valley has some, yeah, <laughs> Morgan Twain Peterson, <laughs> if you have any extra, he, he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. So, um, uh, so in 2016-17, I made Zinfandel from a vineyard down here on Carragher Road. Mm-hmm. which Morgan, um, it's called Gopher Run. Um, Morgan was the, um, called what the planting was. So it's 95% Zin, two and a half Alicante, two and a half Petite. But it's, um, it's, it's truly interplanted. So you would have to, I know the grapes are available, so you would have to probably take the whole thing and pick it all separately. But, Interesting. I mean, um, I love noted. anything that comes off of Carragher Road because that's all alluvial wash oh, yeah. from it's Sonoma Mountain. Fantastic yeah. soils. We actually got really lucky this year, and I'm having uh, some Grenache planted for me off of Orange Avenue. There's a one-acre vineyard. Um, Mike Nunez is has already put in the infrastructure, and him and I have been talking about rootstock and uh, grafting material, so that's going to be going in. More Grenache. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. yes, mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be organic, which is super exciting. Buck so yeah. hopefully by twenty twenty two, we'll have a uh, source and sink Grenache for everybody to try. 
Wow. Cool. And and I love the fact that we've got an intentionally picked Cabernet Rosé aged in amphora. Aged amphora. Today. That looks like one of looks one. Like Sauvignon Blanc. I it's don't know that it has enough descriptors to beat the intentionally picked <laughs> Grenache <laughs> Napa Rosé kosher, kosher. Right. single vineyard. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost almost as many modifiers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next year I'll find a rabbi from Maybe Chicago kosher. to come out here. Man, you got to get a rabbi For on, sure. on your we, team. We do, we do need to make this one kosher, I think. Next step. It's Maybe. No, no, almost as much work as it. It's oh, really? Okay. Like it's All right, maybe not. I take take it. You know back, what? Have Sam bless it. He does a beautiful prayer. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I I I heard him butcher it, and I it's was the uh, only prayer I knew. I you know I wilted under the pressure. We had Gene Arnold sessions. It was like a big. It was you know. I was more nervous with Gene here than with Randy. I'm just yeah. gonna say. Well, that, you know, Aaron and I are both part of the tribe, so. So, yeah, so right, we should yeah. make some kosher wines. Yeah. Talk to talk to you know the least Jewish guy around, Braden Albrecht, which is where I make my kosher wine, <laughs> and we can see if we can get get a barrel in a pair of my Perfect. Kermis. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, as long as the rabbi's blessed his facility, we can. Ride, it's right? it's actually way more complicated than oh, that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. It's, I'm it's sure. Uh, basically somebody who is um, Shomer Shobis. Would I say that right? Uh, you have to be a, a practicing Jew. Right. So Observe, you, Sabbath observant. Like, really, right, like. Right. You can't roll on Shabbos. You cannot roll on Shabbos. <laughs> can't roll. You can't bowl. You right. can't roll joints on Shabbos. You can roll them. You just can't light them, I think, is what it is. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, for sure. Solar, solar hits. Solar hits only. You can light them with a magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah. If there's any culture that knows how to do that really well, it's probably the Jewish culture. So, yeah. shout out to my homies. <laughs> um. Yeah, so you're we're still working on Alicante. I don't want to give up the Alicante. Sam's not I mean, it. I want to try the Petite Syrah, I guess. Yeah, but the Petite Syrah give is, is fun. I have to get another glass. Um, yeah, definitely uh, a, a wine, you know, a varietal in general that you'd need to just kind of pound into submission during fermentation. Or similar to like what Blair Guthrie did, you know, he just kind of like lightly punches it down and... Uh, looks at it through a completely different prism of winemaking. So, um, you know, in comparison to those northern Napa uh, petite Syrahs that are big and crazy and high alcohol and crunchy and, you know, just completely uh, uh, abrasive, this is uh, definitely looked at with a lighter touch. Um, one cool uh, winemaking practice, and Bart, I don't know if you've done this in the past, but sometimes with a bigger, um, more, uh, you know, Fuller grape variety. I uh, I actually press it off around two bricks, so still fermenting, and I let it finish its fermentation in the barrel. Right. It's like something that I learned uh, making Shiraz in Western Australia. So um, that was a cool uh, little thing that I wanted to adapt with a grape like Petite Syrah. So. Yeah, at Bensinger we used to for imagery we used to press uh, Petite Syrah at about fifteen bricks. Um, really, and then um, put wow. the fermenting juice into barrels and let it barrel ferment to finish. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, and um, just to get it off the skins. To get it off the skins, we got the extraction we liked. We liked yeah. the bright fruitiness. We liked right. the mm-hmm. perceived tannins, um, and it was a way to kind of uh, combat and not overwork the wine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's there is a idea with some winemakers, Napa winemakers, where you. Um, you ferment very, very hot and very, very fast, and then when it gets mm-hmm. to about 15 bricks, 
you send it in for your tannin analysis if you you know can afford to pay for that sort of analysis and you press it at whatever it's at it's usually between 10 and 15 mm -hmm. but in that case you leave it in tank and let it finish fermenting and right um I, I, you know, me, I, I, I like to, um, I like to have things finish or basically finish on the skins and, mm -hmm. um, that early is a little too much for me. Not, not yeah. yours, what these other guys 15, are talking about. Yeah. 15, I think maybe tank space. Is no, no, this no, is a, in, 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 I mean, at Benziger, it was intentional because we were trying to combat, um, combat tannin. Um, mm -hmm. and in this case, he was, he had gotten the extract in the tannin that he liked by the numbers, and, um, mm -hmm. and that was enough. So yeah. it wasn't tank space. It was just, mm -hmm. it was just rock and roll. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a uniquely different variety. But I mean, I've listened to you guys talk about Petit Syrah, and I mean, there's a lot to say about it. Like, the, it, it, it changes. It's got a lot of different uh, prisms and spectrums and yeah. layers of complexity and different winemaking styles. It's very versatile. This so. is like sort of lightly roasted coffee thing happening here that I'm digging mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And tomorrow, whoever ends up taking this bottle yeah. home, like... It'll be Brian. So perfumed. <laughs> really Only because cool I'm wine. claiming dibs on the Alicante. Yeah. Um, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this wine's got really nice tannins. Yeah. It's without doubt the most full bodied mm -hmm. of all your wines. But and, still and, juicy. And still, yeah, yeah. still very juicy yeah. and, and very young, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be the wine that's really going to be the chameleon and change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is. Um, this is. The, yeah, and yeah. this is the highest alcohol wine at a whole 13. 13. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but again, it really went big. Man, the yeah. tax collector just doesn't like you yeah. very much. No. Well, so think okay, so you know, Bart, you've done what, how many harvests? I I, I, yeah, I, I worked when all these alcohols were what you kind of shot. Right. right. But I'm saying you've worked a yeah. lot of vintages. Sam, you've been around this whole your whole life. I've done sixteen. This will be my sixteenth this year. And 16, 16 vintages in, t in 12 years. So I was I, say, yeah, that's I what was, I was looking for. Yeah, I, I, you know, doing the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. And all of this time, I've never been a part of a vintage where you get 30 to 40 extra days of hang time. Right. Like we did in 2018. Yeah. So, like, sugars didn't move, but phenolics were rocking. Mm. And, like, this was the perfect year to make a low alcohol wine. I mean, it's just like it was, it's a vintage wine. And I mean, right. it, you didn't really have a, I mean, you just yeah. did what the vintage said, right? right? When did you pick your guys' Rossi Grenache? Uh, the last R R Rossi pick was, I think it was still October. The last pick that I was there for, because I, I, and not because it was the last pick, but the last pick I was there for was the day before election day, mm -hmm. and only because the next day I was starting the sales trip. So, and that <laughs> was Steel Plow Grenache. That was November 6th. November and you 6th. know what? We were tasting those wines uh, last week when Con B was here. If they could have hung another two weeks, it would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. I pick I, them on Thanksgiving. I, I remember Randy, Randy would call me all the time. I mean, he was, I feel like the harvest for you went like, an extra six weeks. It lasted I mean, forever. Yeah, it, it yeah. never, never, it never, it never yeah. stopped. People were trying to get just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Well, and there was and also so much fruit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I remember we were supposed to go back all the way to Upper Ridge to pick Riesling, late harvest Riesling. Where's that? This is in 
Cloverdale. Cloverdale. North Cloverdale. Pine Mountain AVA. As far away as you could get. And still be Sonoma To harvest at night. You leave at like 11.30 from Sonoma, get up to Pine Mountain at like... It, it, it's like o'clock. off of 101 it's like 45 minutes yeah up. it's the scariest and road. that's and that's going up with empty so you can imagine how long it takes bringing grapes down oh there. my gosh just absolutely stunningly beautiful yeah. but benzinger wanted to maybe pick their late harvest riesling this was like november like 15th and i was so over harvest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we started in august and finished almost right before thanksgiving i was just like i can't do this anymore mentally yeah. and physically so um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a long one, but I mean, you know, low alcohols in 2018, I, I mean, next year it could be totally different. I made Petit Syrah from a vineyard in 2017 and I picked it September 5th and it came out to be like almost 16% alcohol. Yeah. So like, and it's, it's a great wine, but that's so just d- the vintage. So, so going forward, that was like the middle of the, of the. Of that heat wave, the right? microwave, you the mean? microwave, not the heat wave, the microwave, yeah, the microwave. Yeah, the microwave. <laughs> yeah. going yeah. forward, do you see that? I mean, is that part of the plan going forward? Is to try to bottle everything, you know, before a year in of aging, or do you think you might give the wines once you guys get going and let the wines rest a little bit more? Right. Yeah. You know, I think that's one hundred percent something that I think we need to be observant of from the beginning of the year through the growing season and then what it looks like during harvest. Like what's the weather like? Like how are we going too high in sugar right away? Do I have acid? Like I need to have the fundamentals for a wine to know it's what its capacity is going to be. So like, sure. I would love to get wines to market right away. Like, because it'd be great to make some money back. But you know, if, I could with Petit Syrah maybe next year. I'd love to bottle it in July or maybe mm. even September of next year, right, right. before harvest. Yeah. But like the wines the, the, will the be wi- the ones to kind of let me know when yeah. they're ready. So I yeah. mean, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, it was first probably Pinot where people started bottling them before they were a year old. And then, you know, there's certainly some Zinfandel producers that we know that produce or, you know, bottle things pretty quickly within a year and whatnot. And I like the trend for both of those because it, creates brighter fresher wines you Mm -hmm. know i mean i'd like to move that way myself in certain certain varieties um but then again because zinfandel is always typically a 15 to 18 month aging before bottling Mm -hmm. um but it is it's you know what does the wine give you and what can you do for for the year and then you know cash flow and right um, and, and and let's face it it's a lot cheaper to for winemaking costs to bottle as soon as you can absolutely because storage and barrels cost a lot of money cost a lot of money yeah well as, as you as you noted with certain varietals right, right. We, right. And, and based on you know what growing sites we're able to use in the future what right. vineyards we're able to source from right. and then if we get into additional varietals yeah which, i mean you guys aren't even an official winery yet you haven't started selling wine yet so right. we're, and we're we, giving you these tough I, questions i think, todd, <laughs> I think, I think todd they've sold out they started no. selling wine on wednesday bart it's already friday it's gone i don't know how much is left <laughs> we made it and sold it the same day it's all gone yeah <laughs> no, we we did sell wine. Um, we are going to be available uh, through Weinster in Chicago. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've talked about that on the show. We've heard yep. that one. Yep. 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 Uh, they're going to have our Alicante Boucher and our Rosé. 
And then we, yeah, Todd took one case of all five of our uh, SKUs. He did not do the Amphora Rosé. Shout but out to Todd Jolly. It's Todd, the best. Yep. Shout uh, out. Lo- local legend. Yep. Just um, came in the other. I met his wife for the first time the other day. They came in. They had a little. Did you meet uh, Houston? They met. Uh, no, they had a little alone time without the kids, so they Whoa, decided to come have a glass like? of wine at the uh, at the. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You've had a kid for like three days. Uh, now uh, you're like, oh, what's that like? Houston like you've been a dad for like fifteen <laughs> years. <laughs> Houston and Althea were born a day apart, <laughs> I believe. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right. They are going to be best of friends. I hope so. Or they're going to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Or fall in love. Right, right. I mean, the, the mean schoolyards of, yeah, of Montessori <laughs> preschool right up the street from Sonoma's Best. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe get out the end with a wine retailer. I like it. I like where this is going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. an empire is being yeah. formed. Right. Yes. Take over the and, Midwest. And, yeah. And, oh, no, but Althea's... The would be the oldest grandchild to the no sec, second, second oldest. Yeah. This Hudson's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but Hudson's gonna be a skier. I don't think he's gonna care about the wine. Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> live in Tahoe full time. So Todd took Todd there. took a case of everything except for the rosé that was aged in the amphora. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean that that we've got such a small amount of. That, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm that, just saying, if if people that are that live here locally want to get a hold of some of the wine, oh, that that's, yeah, yeah. that's Rand, all available. Randy and I will gladly sell that to them. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yep. And uh, yeah. So aside from Sonoma's Best, I think Aaron ordered one of those little like white. Credit cards. Oh yeah, yeah. Square. The, the fine the folks the at Wells squares. Fargo gave us one of those little chip readers, so we can Randy, Randy and I can take payments on phone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about website and contact information and sure. Instagram and yeah. tweeting and let's let's just get it all out there. Tweet, tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we have our uh, a newly minted website that uh, the online store will be uh, uh, open on Wednesday um, or midnight uh, uh, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. And we're talking. What's the date? The date on like the May first. Oh, so yeah, May first. Yeah. By the time 1st. people listen, so it's open. The tomorrow. website is open. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As okay. of which would be Friday, so yeah. days as of take and seven. If, and if not, the he- there have heads that have rolled. Right. And yes. if not, yeah. it's because the all the listeners of the winemakers podcast flooded it and crashed your website. Right. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> Fingers not crossed. Not just that. Cr- probably crashed the Google. Yeah, they crashed the entire website. <laughs> they broke the internet. Our listeners are like Kim yes. Kardashian's oh, butt. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we are uh, sourceandsinkwine.com. And sync, S-I-N-K, not S. Y N C so source and sink like everything but the kitchen sink. Yep, exactly. Right. Okay. Um, Aaron uh, has a an Instagram feed called Paper Monies. It's a joke. It's a joke, but <laughs> won't explain it to you. It's you can very ask boring. him. Yeah, DM him and ask him right all the single now. ladies. Yeah. If you're out there, direct a message. Ask him about it. <laughs> Slide into those DMs. Into those DMs. Always we see them to paper send monies. Photos. Yep. Yeah. Send, photos. <laughs> send photos. He'll send them right back. Um, <laughs> I have an Instagram feed that's uh, RC Feld. Very generic. Um, we also have our our Instagram is uh, uh, source underscore and underscore sync. Um, which uh, we keep it simple. Vi- visiting, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a bunch of shout outs from, <coughs> excuse me, from Sonoma Valley Wines today. Sonoma Valley, yeah, 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 that was that was, that was awesome. Yeah. Very quick turnaround. We literally paid them yesterday, and now we're on the <laughs> right. No, I on the feed. So. Actually, I think you may have paid your dues before I did, so I should probably get on them. Maybe yeah. that's why they never feature on Instagram that? anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we, you know, I are wildly grateful for. 
everyone that's been involved from start to finish. There's yes. a, a long list of people that have helped us uh, push through to the very end. Um, well, give us some going, give us some so shout outs. Give us some people. Uh, yeah. 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 Shout out along the way. Yeah, I think so, there's probably so some yeah, people. Shout, that shout out to uh, uh, Randy's girl Megan. Yeah, Klein. Megan. She, Megan. she is she has been awesome. The on shout the, out that's going to get Randy back in the door tonight. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hel- helping us out on everything with the website, photography. You know, waking up super early to come and take photos of us during pick days. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out to the winery with us, uh, getting some really really. You know, great shot. Yep. Shout out to Megan. Action. Uh, team Gatto, uh, Gatto Design, based out of Napa, uh, have uh, they went through very professional process. Yes. Great people. Um, very inspiring. Helped us with these beautiful labels. Uh, entirely grateful. We're definitely going to be working with them in the future. So stay tuned for some cool, exciting new projects potentially. Yeah. And then um, teasers. Roche, Roche. You guys are pros. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then find folks at Roche Winery. Roche, uh, Roche, Winery. Roche family yeah. and everyone that works there. That's where we Good did people. our custom crush. And you know, extremely grateful. They they took me as a thirty-two uh, year old finance guy with zero winemaking experience ever to be a harvest intern a few years ago. So I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, probably just because I was willing to work for $15 an hour and have Randy yell at me. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that yeah, definitely staffing has become very challenging. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, when you, when, you, when you randomly get, like, a Chicago guy to, like, send you a resume and say, hey, I'd like to do this, probably just say, okay. Fly him in. Yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. Let's do it. Um, all Actually, no, will, will you fly yourself here? <laughs> right. You're hired. <laughs> I, I, put all my stu- I put all my stuff in my condo in Chicago in storage, put the rest of my car and drove out here. So, you, yeah, you just basically did it. Packed nothing but whiskey. <laughs> Actually, that was all in storage. Okay. That, that didn't come out. Here, that didn't come out here until two years ago. Until you roped Randy, 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 Randy helped me unload it. Cubs or White Sox? Chicago Cubs all the way. Yeah, Chicago Cubs. I mean, obviously, if there are some White Sox fans that want to buy it, we just say the Bears. But I mean, we don't. We don't. We don't want to make. We don't want to make this like a. You I'm know, a- North versus South Side, but yeah, my well, dad, I mean, I am a North Sider, and yeah, yeah so. as as am I, and that's where my my house is in Chicago, yeah. and my dad was a Cub, my dad is a Cubs fan, right? So I feel like you always do, right. you always uh, defer to what your father. For right? for for those of us out in, in Radio Land, maybe we'll throw a picture up. That. In honor of John, who's not here today, shout out to John on assignment. Um, our two Chicago Land uh, boys here. Aaron is in this awesome Walter Payton shirt, and Randy, uh, maybe the shirt of the year as far as pod, when Harry met Jerry, and it's Harry Carey and Jerry (laughs) Garcia standing in Heaven's Gate. Oh, there we go. And uh, there's some mushrooms, and there's a cow. Oh, because holy cow. And what's I need a miracle. That's a great shirt. Yep. When Harry met Jerry. So <laughs> I mean that's Randy though. That's you know, Randy's the Chicago deadhead making all the contact. Making all the Sonoma Valley. <laughs> when Harry met Jerry. <laughs> yep. Things are going sideways. Well when people the can't are, you, guys, are you having a wine club or is this just come come to the site and buy the wine? Yeah, so right now it, it will be, you know, come to the site and buy the wine. Um, of course we do want to start a wine club. We gotta get, you know, few more few more uh, uh, types of wine and things like that but yeah we will have sign up so get on the website sign up right. give us your email um, and yeah we, we, we will have a wine club uh, just not not for the first vintage mm-hmm. right okay. yeah so <clears throat> for for all of the the listeners out there um, our opening is May 1st and we're gonna be closing the website on the 15th of May um, just to kind of see how sales go so I would highly encourage uh, visiting the website and buying wine 
Wait a minute. Yep. You're closing the website. We're closing the we, website. We, we have we have accounts in Chicago that you know want want their yeah. wine, so we can't sell all of it through the website. Got so it. we uh, a little nod to all the the uh, the the bubbies up there who have our backs. We've sent samples out to New York, uh, Michigan, North Carolina, and South Carolina in hopes that we can get some uh, distribution in those states. Um, and you know we don't have a lot of wine. Uh, to, to sell at the moment. Next year, we're, we're going more. Uh, we're going to be making more. Uh, we are invested in a lease in a vineyard in Kenwood, whom of which I know Bart is very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hopefully production will go up to about 1,000 cases, whopping 1,000 cases. But, um, hey, man, that's 20 pallets. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of wine. When you look at it, it's kind of scary. That's wild. It's the most terrifying thing ever it's when you go from like 300 pallets. Like, um, but oh, where am I going to... Put it all. Right. Put it in my Subaru. <laughs> who, yeah. who will buy yeah. this? Who's going to buy um, all this wine? But, you know, we 100% want to use this as a trial, um, opening and then closing the site. And then uh, one thing I think most uh, people should know in the wine industry is that if you s- want to buy wine in the summertime, the shipping gets ridiculously expensive. Um, so uh, we would make people wait till 100 yeah, percent entertain do. uh, doing another release if there is still inventory uh, after the summer months. So uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of the the approach that we're taking at it at the moment. Uh, we have an unidentified location for a pickup for locals. Um, we're gonna we have a date planned for locals to be picking up May 25th, but we don't know where yet. Um, but uh, we will. Uh, <clears throat> so there, yeah. there will be a local pickup option on the uh, e-commerce store. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for for everybody who out out there from not California, uh, interested in the wines, yeah, just visit the website and and get them get them while you can. Sourceandsinkwines.com. And then the the guy who made the amphora for you. Yes. Yeah. Who is that? Yeah, so I used to farm independently a small vineyard on Sonoma Mountain. So actually, maybe about 200 feet in elevation north or uh, above Laurel Glen, and right next door to the Vanderkamp family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the caretaker on that property, his name was Owen, and Owen um, is based out of Yountville. His well, his studio is based out of Yountville, but he uh, makes custom-made California clay amphora. And he is specifically for the wine industry. Well, yeah, this is I mean, totally an experiment. He's a ceramicist and Renaissance man uh, yeah, so by he, trade. Th- this is his first amphora. So okay, we, just, we, we we were along with him for the ride and the experiment, mm-hmm. and we yep. we started out with two of them. We'll have a couple more for next year. Mm-hmm. Are they are they lined or are they or is it raw on the inside? Uh, we we he can line them. He could glaze them, but we've is there found any, like people do like beeswax and stuff on yeah, the inside. Yeah, I think the traditional right? Cavevry, um, the ones that are like the Georgian. Quivevery that you bury in the ground will be lined sometimes, okay. um, but ours we chose not to because uh, that's kind of tedious to do. Um, not only that, Sam, what a waste of all that bee energy. Yeah, totally. What the it's <laughs> the source to the sink, man. <laughs> I mean, positive <laughs> flows, Brian. Only positive flows here. Hey, well, man. A shout out. Sa- sa- save the bees. I mean, there's I mean, I know. There's a, a massive hive decline, and there's not... Bee I mean, killer? If you wanted to do beeswax, <laughs> like, it's ridiculously expensive. I know. So. It's crazy, man. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, Owen is making amphora for us. We've got, we're going to have a couple more this year, um, and if anyone's interested, he uh, is building a kiln. Uh, at his place, 
Um, big enough for that. Big enough for two or three at a time. Because um, wow. there's so. a picture on your Instagram right now. I don't know if it's one of the, the other, I don't know whose account it is. The source and sync account. Uh, I mean, we, the, we, we, we both do it. So, right. you know. Yeah. But you're standing next to this amphora. It's like, I mean, you're just a little bit taller than I am. So you're not a tall guy. But this, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's as tall as you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You, you could definitely, you could probably jump in there and. and play, well, play. I wouldn't make it through the hole at the top, but yes, right, it's right, possible right, right. to jump there. Right, but you, 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 you could use it for a fun game. Sam of would be like seek. a bung, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck. Yes, exactly. Phone what, is ringing. Uh, what I think is cool is is is, and you can tell from this show and the fact that these guys are just releasing their wines for the first time. You've got you've got uh, pedigree and passion, and you're kind of getting in on the ground floor if you're ordering these wines right now because you're you're kind of. Just starting to see what these guys are capable of, which is very exciting, I think. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. And Brian, you know, I've listened to this show for the last year. I've listened to a lot of episodes. I have to apologize. We don't have a Chardonnay for you. <laughs> or <Right>. Chenin Blanc. <laughs> I, I don't know how that became a thing. It was because uh, of Maybe you. it's because you couldn't <laughs> pick your uh, chin off the table when we had Bibiana Gonzalez. And, <laughs> and, and, and um. Bob Cabral. I don't know who Bob you were more Cabral gaga Chardonnay. for. Right. Have no, you I ever have, had? No, I, mean, I can't afford his Chardonnay, but it, I, I can't either. <laughs> don't tell my wife that I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we're we're actively searching for uh, white wines in Sonoma Valley. So if anybody has uh, small lots of, uh, you go interpick some Chenin Blanc from. I Rossi would 100 <laughs> love to entertain yeah, yeah. that, but uh, you know, we I you guys with Marsan or Rousson would be a ton of fun. And we're, we're Bart, trying. you make Shannon yeah. Blanc? Yeah. There's, there are people out there with small vineyards I'm trying to convince to cut over to those Grape Fridays. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone still has cab. And, you know, they can't sell it. Right. So I'm trying to help them out Yeah. in any case. But, yeah, uh, you guys, like, completely uh, grateful and honored to be uh, yes. sitting at the table with Sam Katuri and the Funky Bunch. Yeah, thank you so uh, much, guys. We appreciate you guys having Bart. Like, what, a- what episode are you guys? <laughs> yeah. like 97 or something? Are we going to like pay attention and do something special for our 100th episode? Why? Why would we? I don't know. <laughs> Why would we pay attention? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a thing. You know, we should open some wine that day. We okay. should open some wine that mm. day. You're right. Maybe. Oh, I have an idea. We'll Tease some big bottles or something. Oh, oh. talk to Ooh. former guests. Yes, mm. we do have we, that. That could be a yeah. good lineup. All right, we just have to figure out those details That's and figure out what episode kinda, this is. And the it's, devil is in those this details. Is, well, the devil is in those details because it's a little bit, you know, there's a there's an emotional because you know, right? Worked out. <laughs> we'll, we'll right. Um, so you guys, you know, go to Source and Sink, order. Order a bottle of each wine to your house to try them out. The holiday and see five what pack. you like. Yeah, we have yeah. we do right? have a sample six, six pack available. Six. Yeah. Beautiful so thing. Six yeah. yeah, one, two. Th- no, there's there's no. Uh, and who left. gets access to the, the rosé that is um, um, aged in the amphora? So that, is that, that you, just going to be kind of for? You got to come to me and Randy for yeah, that. But like, we can we we can we can work it out. Well, for then the, if you're going to say that, then you're going to have to give contact information, either email address or a cell phone number. Absolutely. So, <laughs> cell phone uh, number out on. Uh, <laughs> let me get. I got this one, Aaron. Uh, www or no, no, no. Take it back. Source and Sync LLC at gmail.com. 
Send us an email. Let us know that you're interested in Amphora Rosé. It's definitely an off-the-menu, in-and-out burger sort of uh, <laughs> request. It's the um, animal style of sources. Yes. For right. you know, the adventurous out there. Yeah. Um, and it is really good, by the if way. If you guys are uh, interested, <laughs> yeah. you know, let us know. We only have 19 cases, so there's not a whole heck of a lot. 17 cases? Inventory? <laughs> there's only 14 cases of it. Yeah. There's less cases of it yeah, than there's one been takes of this podcast. Nine cases. Yeah, just kidding. Um, there literally could only be a few cases by the time this airs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Wait we're already selling 2019 We have to wine. do take 25. Oh, no, we're still good. No, no, no. We're doing all right. All right. All right. Well, and if you live locally here, you can also, um, it sounds like, possibly go pick up a bottle down at Sonoma's Best. Maybe um, you guys thought about doing some kind of tasting one night. At, we we uh, are, actually. We're yeah. doing a winemaker takeover at Sonoma's okay. Best uh, on the books May 23rd. May 23rd. Uh, at, yep. at Sonoma's Best, yep. which is super Thir- exciting. Thursday in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a good opportunity yep. for people to come and try all of the wines. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay. Hi- highly encourage it. Um, we're going to do our darnest to get the wine out there locally in Sonoma, maybe some other restaurants. I um, know there's a restaurant downtown on the plaza that really likes Rhone varietals that would probably be interested in something like a Carignan that uh, would be available by the glass. Yeah, oh, awesome. that would be yeah. terrific. Yeah. I love that. wonder what restaurant that is. Hmm. Uh, it's got like a fruit in it. Yeah. <laughs> Female <laughs> innuendo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, she's in Nashville, so she's not listening yet. Our not sister yet. podcaster. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. But in any case, you guys have been an honor. Well, Thanks for having yeah. us. Thanks so uh, for coming on. Any yeah. other shout outs, Brian? I got, um, a, I got a vinyl Sunday coming up. Yeah, let's talk about it. May 19th. We got Mike the Baker coming back. I'm trying to get our buddy Tanner Wally to be the music, but he's been. You know, these freaking musicians. I talked to him yesterday. Was he? Th- what did he say? He's he- excited to communicate back with you guys. So. Okay, so that means maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, but uh, it's, we're going to release our rosé and do some fun, some fun. Uh, Wait, the kosher rosé? No, the, the kosher rosé is sold out. Is out, and there's still no. There's still some <laughs> left. There's still some left. Okay. I, um, you know, the big Passover push. I have a few magnums of it left. The big Passover push. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. You know, How many times about. do you hear that in a sentence? No. Not enough. Not enough. When you get Not co- enough. when when they get kosher amphora rosé and knock me off of oh the most mo- modifiers God. ever yeah. pedestal. Yeah, you should, you should be saving some for uh, right. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Uh, Sukkot, Sukkot, Sukkot uh, yeah. is that Sukkot. that's next, yep. right? Um, yeah. So Vinyl Sunday, that's exciting. Vinyl Sunday coming up, bringing Mike the Baker back, mm-hmm. um, releasing the regular rosé, which uh, regular it's um, so it was made by Isabel Gassier, Gentiles, Prix, made by Gentiles, <laughs> uh, made by Catholics from the south of France. Uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> still Provençal style, uh, and this is so. This is we did the two rosés um, that Isabel oversaw. One that was. Uh, all direct press, whole cluster, and then one, that's the 16600, and then the other one um, is the the Combi protocol where we actually distemmed, crushed and distemmed um, and spent like six hours on on skins uh, before we press it off. Actually, not much color difference, but it's all in like totally texture, body, mm-hmm. totally different mm-hmm. wine. So we'll be playing with those uh, Vinyl Sunday, May 19th. Yeah, that's fun. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Great. And then uh, Dane, uh, Dane Sellers. Dane Sellers. We have a new host. <laughs> he's, he's pushing the agenda. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, John's not even here to squash it. Um, uh, we will be having our spring uh, release here shortly, which will be uh, our single wine, the 2016 Valeria blend, so our Rhone blend. 
Um, and by the time this is over, I've already done my um, uh, well, that's Thursday night, takeover right? mm-hmm. at uh, Sonoma's Best uh, for cool. um, uh, that Todd's having. And the other thing is, is uh, now, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be less than two weeks until I do my bike ride. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Donate, 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 donate. donate, donate. donate. Yep. Um, uh, for uh, uh, Chef Cycle, No Kid Hungry, um, you can find the link on all of my, um, all of my uh, social, social media. And it, here's what I have to say is that by far. The greatest contributors to my fundraising has been from podcasts. Wow, right thank you. Absolutely. Way to go, Winemakers. It's really Great amazing. Listeners. So thank you very much, all of you that are listening. So no. it's really cool. And you've been on, um, you've been like, I saw you riding your bike at eight, maybe more like nine o'clock yesterday morning on yeah, Petaluma I drop Avenue. Off and I go ride. Right on. You, I, get five, um, you have to do 100 miles in a day. Is that the deal? It's it's uh, for three days. 500 three, miles in a day. So, wow. 100, 100, 100 miles, miles a day, a day for, for three days. days. And it's the it's the to, total tour of Sonoma, Sonoma County. We uh, leave out of the Flamingo and Santa Rosa all three days. We go up through Chalk Hill, down into Napa Valley, Calistoga, Santa Elena, and then through Alexander Valley and home. The second day is Alexander Valley and uh, Dry Creek. And then the last day is starting in Lower Russian River and then going all through the Petaluma and Sebastopol wow. um, farmland. Good thing is it's all flat, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> 4,500 4, feet of elevation each day. Wow. But we eat really well. We Absolutely. Really well. Does, so. that, does that help or does that... I mean, eating well, like mid, not mid ride, yeah, because you burn so many calories. You have when to. You're doing it doesn't that. matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even so. If so last week, I did a ride um, at, in Napa, put on by Chris Constantino, called um, uh, Campo Velo, and um, for this uh, training for No Kid Hungry, they sent a jersey. It says um, No Kid Hungry or Chef Cycle Training uh, Team. Right. So I thought, yeah, I'll rock my new jersey and stuff, and I get there and. All of a sudden, there's like four guys all in their jerseys from previous years, and it's the Voltaggio brothers, oh. this guy Travis Flood, and another celebrity chef. And I'm like, oh, God, I guess I got to go over and introduce myself <laughs> and tell him I'm the guy that's not in the club <laughs> that's <laughs> riding your ride. But it was really cool. They, I got to ride with them. And um, there's one thing I'll say about this group is they are incredibly passionate about feeding people. And um, these guys work really hard at doing this thing, this charity. So the chefs, so. are they they're co- riding and cooking? Well, so there's no there there's a whole there's a there are Travis Flood. The first four years, he would ride all day, and then he'd bring some of his crew up that didn't ride, and they would cook, cook for the, the chefs every yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, uh, you know, Williams Williams Sonoma is a sponsor, so they have right. a crew that does a meal and stuff. Do so you, well, it's gone through the Williams Sonoma parking lot, which is across the street from the Tasting House. Are you? Is that a stop this year? Not this year. Okay. They're not in Sonoma Valley this year. Okay. The Sunday before, I'm gonna host a ride through Sonoma Valley. Um, it's Mother's Day. That's um, right. Some some of the riders that are coming out early. So I'm just doing a casual ride. I'm trying to organize and trying to take them through Sonoma Valley. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll come. Will we, we guys be open on? Uh, we'll be day? open. I will. I, I probably won't be there. We might come in and just mm-hmm. drink some bathroom rosé. or something. We got a bike rack in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. lean your bike up against Randy's van. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett's van. Garrett's van that yeah, let's car. get a shout out to Garrett. Garrett at uh, Best oh, Burgers that is now open, 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 open and ready to go. I think I saw their first day. They actually sold out of stuff. They had like to, the first three to, days they had to like shut down. Yeah, early. yeah. Each close. day's been getting getting better and better. And then they have this Temple Creek uh, beef That's that people thing. can buy, which is oh nice. 
phenomenal. Nice. And a lot of people have been uh, buying it. I know, I know. I know. So. I know. I got to get Lauren on. We got to get him on. We got to get Lauren. Because this carbon farming is really. It's the getting, way. It's amazing. Yeah, and and yeah. it's really getting a lot of publicity. And uh, great to hear it. Was it them. Eric? Whose article? It's out today. I was talking about carbon footprint of wines. I think it was Eric Asimov's article today is all about, you know, even if it's organic and biodynamic doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the winemakers are aware of their carbon footprint and sort of climate change and wine. Uh, pretty interesting article I was reading this morning at yeah. some point. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, and if you want to listen to our sister podcast, The Bike Goes On, actually this week we have on uh, John McReynolds, who's the chef nice. for Stone Edge Farm. Nice. Um, yeah. Luckiest chef in America. That guy, he live, he has lived one of the most charmed lives yeah. ever. Um, really cool story. So you can go to thebikegoeson.com or you know hook up with the radiomisfits.com. The same guy, Ed, the podfather that hosts uh, the winemakers, also hosts the bike goes on. So if you want to listen to that, and shout out to uh, Jeff and Sarah and and the Oakland new podcast Planted, new cannabis podcast coming on the network too. Sam. If you had more time in the day, I know. If I could, you would have the number one cannabis podcast on the planet. I, you know, I keep forgetting to do it. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. The the man who's perfectly suited for the job can't handle the the position. Well, that might be. I really I really butcher the Hebrew pair for pot. So. <laughs> All right. This has been the winemakers. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.